0: This is Vermont Credit Unions On Air, a service of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. I'm Joe Bergeron, President of the Association, and with me is Jim St. Peter, Chief Information Officer at New England Federal Credit Union, and a six-year veteran of the Association's Board of Directors. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Yeah, thank you, Joe. It's great to have you here. Um, We're sitting in the, uh, as we're recording this, we're sitting in the uh, newly acquired and, and still in the process of being finished uh, corporate headquarters of New England Federal Credit Union in Williston. And it's it's nice that you could take time out from shuffling yeah, through you, the boxes. You may hear furniture. a couple of
1: hammers in the background. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, you know, we're in the process of moving in this week, but there's still a lot of construction and punch
0: list items going on. So been a big project. Well, I'm sure it's going to be beautiful when it's all done. So uh, I'm anxious to, to see it. So the purpose of our recording here is to uh, have our listeners learn a little bit about you. And since you've been on the board for six years now, almost are coming up on six years now, uh, we thought it was about time to enlighten people about some background on Jim and your perspectives on the credit industry and the association and so on and so forth. So let's get started. And why don't we start right at the beginning? How did you get involved in credit unions? How did it all start? So this is probably
1: a longer story than you're going to want to hear, but I think there's some background that I need to preface the Certainly. the experience with. Um, so I got my start coming out of college. Um, I had an accounting degree from Champlain College. Uh, back in 1978, I started working at Vermont Federal Savings and Loan um, as an accountant, bookkeeper, whatever, and did a lot of things there. Um, small organization at the time. They had formerly been the Burlington Building and Loan Association, oh, yeah. which is a um, much like it was back in the you know, uh, It's a Wonderful Life days with the Bailey Building sure. and Loan. They were, they were constructed as a mutual savings and loan to help the average Joe save some money and um, be able to get financing for their home. Um, so when I started there, I think they were about $175 million or so, had six offices smattered around uh, the state, and most of those offices were... Um, result of mergers, because Mm -hmm. uh, Vermont had a lot of small savings and loans. um, And uh, because those institutions had difficulty with uh, keeping up with all the advancing regulations and the introduction of something called the demand deposit account, which was new, uh, newly chartered services for savings and loans um they ended up finding themselves needing to merge with a larger savings and loan so Jeez, vermont federal is, became that
0: that huh. doesn't sound a whole lot different than today <laughs> well
1: that that's somewhat where i'm going with this um so my experience there was uh, working there for 18 years um, through that process um, the savings loan ended up uh, converting to a stock held bank um, they uh, issued 30 or 40 million dollars worth of stock um, went public, uh, started expanding, and by the time I left, uh, Vermont Federal had, I believe, 32 branches across two Mm. states, Vermont and New Hampshire. Uh, They were about 1.3 billion at the time, and um, had about 100,000 checking accounts uh, due to a totally free checking promotion program that that they came up with, and this was in the uh, late 70s. So, my reason for leaving um, was really twofold. Uh, you know, at the time the merger and acquisition environment in New England was very hot and heavy, and, um, you know, we really knew that Vermont Federal was a target with that many customers um, and a lot of equity that could be used really to, to help facilitate the financial transaction. Um, so knowing that, um, I was looking for my options, uh, didn't want to relocate my family. Um, And then in uh, October of 78, uh, Vermont National Bank announced their intention to acquire Vermont Federal. So I went down to Brattleboro and met the folks down there. Um, Ended up receiving a job offer uh, uh, for a management-level position at Vermont National. Um, And, of course, I think it would have required a relocation to Brattleboro, something I wasn't too interested in. Um, And I had some concerns about the... um, the the processing environment that I would be getting into. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, dealing with that many financial transactions on a memo post, uh, POD ticket paper-based system would Mm -hmm. would be challenging. Um, And over the previous 18 months or so, I had been introduced to John Dwyer. I had talked to him multiple occasions, and um, I knew that he was in the process of looking for a new data processing core system. So, you know, the timing was just really right for me to uh, really go next door. Uh, New England Federal Credit Union was just down the street from Vermont Federal um, and start working here. And at the time, I believe, uh, much like the start of my work at Vermont Federal Bank, this was a, about a $200 million financial institution, um, and it felt like coming back home. Um, okay. my, so my interest in uh, getting involved in credit unions, back to your original question, um, both because um, I didn't want to get caught up in the merger and acquisition space. Uh, but secondly, I really um, liked the idea of getting back to you know, the building alone type of concept, you know the mutual organizational concept. Um, and it's worked out really well for me personally and hopefully for the credit union.
0: Great, That's an interesting story. Um, so how, how long have you been with NeFQ now? Uh, 21 years. Twenty-one years, so, so that's, that's quite a run. If you uh,
1: yeah, if you add the two together, I've been doing it for about 40 years, um, and I've only had the two jobs, really. Uh, I had one job when I got out of college for about three months. We won't talk about that one. <laughs> uh, but really, just the two
0: jobs for my entire career, and that's, that's rare nowadays. It certainly is. Um, so wh- what, since you've been here for 21 years, what do you think is among the most, what have you found the most challenging kinds of things? Um, IN in A CREDIT UNION ENVIRONMENT, AND OF COURSE YOUR CAREER IS ALL I.T. Um, SO I DON'T KNOW IF IT'S I.T. SPECIFIC OR MORE INDUSTRY GENERIC, BUT WHAT what HAVE YOU FOUND DURING THOSE 21 YEARS, YOU KNOW, BE CHALLENGING HERE?
1: Um, WELL, MY my ROLE HERE IS BOTH I.T. uh, FACILITIES AND FOR A WHILE IT HAD BEEN CARD PROCESSING AS WELL, WHICH I DON'T DO THAT ANY LONGER. Um, I THINK THE MOST CHALLENGING THING um, FOR CREDIT UNIONS AND um, And for banks, quite frankly, is dealing with uh, the vendors that we rely upon. Um, Many of these vendors are obviously profit-motivated. They change hands quite often. Sometimes you you develop a strong relationship with a vendor. Uh, You know the people there. Uh, you have a lot of faith and trust in the work they've done for you in the past. You sign long-term contracts, and then the next week the vendor's acquired sure. <laughs> by somebody you don't know.
0: Right.
1: Um, and the whole environment changes and, you know, the performance changes. And seen that many, many times, I think, over my career, and that's probably the most diffi- difficult thing to manage through, um, is to make sure that your members are being serviced and your staff are being serviced Um, you know, by contracts and people
0: that you may not have full control over. And along those lines, especially in the IT area, you know, I mean, uh, institutions probably commonly move, you know, between, well, when there were a lot of forms, vendors, and check printers and stuff like that. But in the IT kind of area, where it's a real marriage with some third party or outside organization, uh, when it comes time to change, that's a painful process.
1: It is, and um, today's, uh, you know, digital engagement environment where people are plugged in real time to our systems, I mean, clearly that's been the, probably the single biggest change in in the industry since I've been um, associated to uh, banking. Um, I think from our federal savings loan, when I got there, really was being run on calculators and IBM <laughs> Selectric typewriters, um, and today people are plugged in with their mobile phones real time. So you can't make a change and keep it transparent or hide it you know from the member it's it's out there Um, and so we faced that with a core system conversion about four years ago four or five years ago where um, we really did it in layers over two or three years to ensure that there would be very little impact
0: um, because of that level of transparency because that's one of the most important things right that you want to you might want to have change in your back office but you don't want your members experiencing change. Unless it's change for the better, but right. um, And change doesn't come easily to people's habits.
1: I was uh, interestingly that we're having this conversation. I was uh, looking at several emails today, um, vendor to be not named. uh, But the emails were uh, from users, uh, people in positions like mine who were very upset with this vendor because Mm -hmm. of performance issues, Mm. Uh, you know, having their Internet banking Environment down for 12 hours, mm. as an example, um, and it's not wasn't a vendor we're using for the service. It just happened to be copied on the and emails. Probably but it's a, you know, it's a you know case in point that you know uh, the users get extremely frustrated sure. when the vendor doesn't perform. Of course, uh.
0: rightfully so. If there's one thing you could change about our credit union industry, um, what do you think it would be? You know, how credit unions operate, how credit unions behave, or, or, or what makes them up? If, is there anything that you change, or do you think it's yeah, great uh, just uh, the way it is? Um,
1: you know, field of membership, I think, is probably the, one of the most challenging issues, uh, both for small and large credit unions. Um, having those restrictions makes it, you know, difficult to play in the future. Um, develop business strategy that will ensure that your members are being served the best way that they can be. Um, so I think that would be the one thing I'd like to see change in the industry. I have an open membership. More, Everybody more open than it is today. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So like in a lot of other cooperatives, I think credit unions are pretty much the only kind of cooperative that I'm familiar with, where we have some kind of limitation on the field of membership of who can join. Uh, you know, food co-ops, so on and so forth. It's you know, for the most part, I think mostly anybody that walks in the door. Obviously, limited to people you know, within your um, influence, sphere of influence, your marketplace or or your geographical area. But if somebody moves to town, they can join. They don't have to, you know, be limited to some specific definition or something. Right. Hmm. So we mentioned at the onset, uh, you've been on the league board for six years. Um, So how did that come about? Yeah,
1: Yeah, so um, John Dwyer introduced the concept to me. became aware that there was a vacancy on the board and um, i think nefq had a true desire to contribute uh, more than just writing a check on an annual basis um, and i think there's a belief that we have a lot of uh, expertise in house a lot of capacity sure. that we could use to offer um, and uh, when he presented it to me personally I was very interested I think much for the reasons that I described earlier about you know my heritage and my experience with the non-profit uh, mutual organization uh, concept and I have a you know I had quite a bit of operational experience and mm-hmm. I know that the services corporation with the card services programs and other things um, might I might be able to offer some help sure in those regards
0: awesome uh, I'm not intending to test you here but it might feel that way um, because for coming from me, the guy that runs the association, to a person who's been on the board for six years, I have to ask the question, what do you think is the most important function of our trade association?
1: Oh, advocacy, I think, you know by far. Um, and I think that's probably the one thing that people don't appreciate enough about what the association does. Um, we think advocacy is something that can easily be outsourced, um, you know, to mm-hmm. people in Montpelier or others. Um, and I don't think that's the case. I mean, what I've witnessed, you know, standing on the sidelines watching you and others, um, is that it's really a very active uh, role in the association plays. Um, I've I've seen you having to run, jump in a car, and head down to Montpelier on multiple occasions on a moment's notice to deal with something that just came up. Um, that needs to be headed off before it grows legs. Um, and so I don't think the um, I don't think all of us credit unions can appreciate that quite as much having not participated, you know, not participating in uh, the board and
0: seeing those activities a little more close right. up. Well, thank you, Jim. That was the right answer. No. <laughs> you got that one right and and I think I think we both need to attest to everyone. There's absolutely no exchange of funds here whatsoever, mm-hmm. you know, it's right from the heart. Yeah. so, Getting, uh, I'm going to get personal here with you for, for a second. Um, what do you think is um, something, anything, that people listening to this might be surprised to learn about you, something they, they might not know about you?
1: Uh, well, you know that I, I'm a musician, an amateur musician. Um, do I don't do that much anymore. Um, but I think when you come into my office and you see me in a work environment, you wouldn't think that I, I've hung out in bars playing music till 2 a.m.,
0: for um, I do have to say that when I first met you I was surprised to learn that you were a drummer in a rock and roll band yeah and I think that's that's words from uh, lyrics from some song but anyway <laughs> it fits yeah so that, that's probably something that people wouldn't expect um,
1: I think uh, to my colleagues here at the credit union um, you know what they probably don't know about me is that before I got into accounting Probably you know in high school, uh, before I really figured out what I wanted to do in life, I was interested in becoming a commercial artist. Really? Yeah. You know, um, I had an interest in uh, animation and working in the Disney studios. Wow. Um, and really came to the conclusion, probably in my junior year in high school, I wasn't good enough, and uh. that it was probably an occupation that didn't have a lot of future in it. Mm. You know, very, very few opportunities and probably a lot of, people much like acting right 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 and so uh, i looked for something else that would interest me and i'd always been really um, a substandard student when it came to math um, it goes back for a lot of reasons i think i have some attention deficit disorder um, and it was difficult for me to just prescribe to the way that things were taught when i was younger um, and when i was uh, introduced to bookkeeping and accounting um, People told me, well, you don't want to get into that. There's a lot of math involved in that. And so I of scared about it. Uh, but when they started putting the dollar sign in front of the numbers, <laughs> everything made sense. Mm. Um, and I just took to it like, uh, well, I just took to it really well. Um, did really, I did really well in college uh, because the whole concept of money and the future value of money and interest and all those things made sense to me. Um, and so that's how I found my occupation.
0: Well, I've always heard that whether it's um, <coughs> acknowledged on a personal level or not, that people who are into music and performing and whatnot, whether they formally studied or not, you know, are typically good at at math and or science or something you know technically oriented like that. Particularly math, because um, you know, music in some ways is is mathematical in, in some ways. Uh,
1: so. I actually read uh, an article recently which I shared. <laughs> liberally with my friends that suggested that drummers are smarter than other band members i, I think
0: i saw that but yeah. um you know i'm not i don't know if that's true well it's true today in this conversation but <laughs> i don't know if it's true with every conversation um and uh, and you've you done know. they've done scientific testing to to validate that so well that's awesome yeah. <laughs> you know you mentioned the animation and we have uh, i have a uh, an acquaintance who um, also a musician, um, but uh, has some friends at Disney who are the animators and they still have people that are drawing those cells. Right. Um, that they're few and far between, very few these days because uh, everything's done on computers and whatnot, but um, they still draw cells and they sell them for a lot of dollars, you know, in the nice frames. And everything. Yeah, I,
1: I, I think that would have been a great uh, opportunity for a retirement position someday sure. Uh, sure. is to paint cells you know, one by one, I think I would have had a good time doing that. But I'm
0: sure, as you pointed out, that occupation really doesn't exist anymore. Well, hey, you know, there may, who knows? Who you knows? Know, it may be ahead of you, yet to come. So yeah. um, so if you weren't working in credit union land, I was going to ask, what would you be doing in life? But you'd probably either be painting animation cells or still be a drummer in a rock and roll band.
1: Well, I think, you know, as I had pointed out, there really isn't a lot of opportunity and Uh, animation sure Uh, but i do like that whole creative side of things and i could see myself definitely working in the movie industry back office production type stuff Uh, not in front of the camera but things involved in putting together because i'm I'm project oriented and
0: uh, And technically oriented yeah uh, yeah,
1: i I usually can take something that's abstract and and put some organization behind it and get all the ducks in a row Um, and i can see that in the movie industry where you have to take complex storyboards and piece them together. And, uh, you know, movie producers obviously have to get all the talents lined up and all the locations and deal with all the logistics. Uh, but the end result is something very rewarding and visual yeah, sure. and stimulating. And so I can see um, having both of those um uh, outcomes being something I'd be interested in you know the, all the work that goes into the planning and preparation and then have the you know the presentation the final product afterwards for sure yeah much like uh, you know uh, producing a
0: a play or something like mm-hmm. that would be yeah we're um, rapidly closing in on uh, the end of our little recorded record a conversation here Jim but I want to bring things back around to credit unions before we close out here and get your thoughts because you've been doing this for such a long time, you know, 21 years here and another, you know, equal amount of time, give or take, um, still in the financial services. So looking forward, um, you know, consolidations aside because financial services as all other industries, you know, have had a lot of consolidation and probably will continue to, you know, going into the future. But, but that aside, what do you think credit unions in particular are going to, how do you think they might look different in the future? I know fewer in number and bigger, but do you think they'll be looking and feeling different, operating differently? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um,
1: I think all of us, um, primarily uh, driven by millennials and Gen X, but even uh, baby boomers, are becoming much more digitally engaged uh, as a society than we have been in the past. Uh, I think the experience that we offer, the in person experience we offer, will still be important but we're gonna to have to get a lot better at digital engagement uh, than we are today. Uh, clearly, you know, the, the Amazons of the world does it provide a good example of that. And so a lot of the financial services that you, that are available to us today uh, are through digital engagement. And some of these companies are doing a far better job than both banks and credit unions at uh, doing that intelligently and personalizing the experience. Um, and that's something we all
0: need to get better at. I think credit unions would be quite challenged with it. So is there a little bit of uh, conflict there in that, um, and I agree, uh, credit unions, financial services in general, is going to become more and more depersonalized and doing more business on your, your phone, your tablet, your computer, whatever, um, or using Alexa or whatever to transact business for you. Um, but at the same time, you know, credit unions have this – this embedded reputation, and widely known reputation for being very customer oriented, consumer oriented, member oriented, uh, friendly, uh, you know, personal service and, you know, the rankings that we uh, get from surveys nationally every year always have credit unions, you know, outpacing banks in terms of personal service and, and reviews by consumers and whatnot. So it seems like those two things are kind of in conflict with each other. And, and how, do you, how do you think that credit mm-hmm. unions are going to be able to or will they be able to you know, maintain any semblance of balance going forward? Or, or is the personal part not going to be as important anymore? Um,
1: no, I think the personal part is going to be important. The trick will be how do we um, provide that same kind of personal experience in a digital engagement? Mm-hmm. You know, how, do we, how does that person know or feel that, how do they feel our brand? How do they feel our values? Um, how are we recognizing in that digital engagement that we know who they are? Um, and what they want, Uh, you know, what their goals and and financial objectives are. Um, And what we present to them today, and this is a very broad macro statement, um, most financial uh, institutions have, you know, very transactional um, engagements in the digital space. I think that's, uh, we need to find a way to take that uh, experience that they get in our lobbies and transfer that and make it available digitally. And uh, with artificial intelligence, um, you know, you mentioned Alexa as an example, uh, you know, you can create an online or an animated persona of the brand experience you want the member to have in that digital engagement. I think that's part of the challenge that we're going to be faced with. Um, And those are investments, big investments of dollars and time and skills um, and a lot of different disciplines, you know, technical skills, but, you know, HR skills and marketing skills. Um, it's going to be uh, very difficult to go through that transformation and have it come out right.
0: New ways of doing business. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully we'll still be successful. I know New England Federal has been very successful, as most Vermont credit unions have been very successful. We have, what, uh, 58% of the Vermont population, Vermont consumers, that are members of credit unions. And that's up dramatically from when you and I first started. And We're trying to do our bit. You sure certainly are. And you've been a big part of that. So... Thank you, Jim, for spending time with us in this conversation. It's been enlightening. Thank you, and and thanks for uh, allowing me to participate on the board. It's been a pleasure. Well, we appreciate your service, as do all Vermont Credit Unions. And with that, we've reached the end of another Vermont Credit Unions On Air podcast and hope you found it informative. You can hear all of our previously recorded podcasts by searching for Vermont Credit Unions On Air in the iTunes store or at soundcloud.com. If you have ideas for a podcast, on something you'd like to hear about, send it to podcast at Vermont Credit Unions with an S dot co-op, C O O P. Until our next podcast, this is Joe Bergeron and Jim Say Peter. At the Association of Vermont Credit Unions, thanking you for listening.